Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you again, and thank you for tuning in with us. Today, uh, our panel, I would like to start with a new member of this panel, and uh, I would like to welcome Rowan. Welcome to the program, Rowan. Thank you. Also, I would like to welcome the other members of the panel, and I would like to say, hi, Lija. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. And uh, on the other side, Andrew. Yes, good morning, everyone. Great to be here. Jeanette? Yeah, hello. Good to be. And our facilitator today, uh, Brenton. Thank you, Brenton, for coming in again and um, prepare this uh, study for today. I'll just hand it good straight morning, to listeners. you. At this point, we're just going to bow our heads in prayer and we're going to ask Rowan to ask the Lord's blessing as we study his word together during this Bible study. Thank sure. you, Rowan. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you as we approach your holy word to to open it and to study it we want to ask that we our minds may be imbued with the holy spirit that we may understand the things that we read but not just us and all those who are going to be within the earshot of this recording may they be able to find their way lord because they've heard this word we want to thank you because we know that whenever we ask you you hear us when we pray in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. For those of you who listened uh, to our last recording, our last Bible to study, it's always good to reflect just briefly on what we touched on last time. Andrew, I wondered if you could just give us a very brief summary of what we touched on last time as we move into our new subject today. Our new subject today is called Causes of Disunity. Well, I think uh, last week, Brendan, we talked about um, how God created the world to be in complete harmony and unity. And we saw that that God's plan was for this world to be, as I said, in harmony and unity. But things came along and changed that. And we saw this was the work of the evil one because he does not want harmony. He wants disharmony and disunity. And we just traced what he'd done and the efforts he's gone to to spoil God's original plan. And to cast dispersions on God's character, um, to cast doubt on, on God's goodness and, and wanting the best for us. Thank you, Andrew and Jeanette. Rowan, did you have anything to add to that? Yes, and I think with that as a context, we begin to see how the, the lesson for this week comes in because it is basically continuing that theme of that disunity which began you know, in the Garden of Eden. And I, I'm sure today we're going to trace the... the the, the trends that have you know originated from there and they've gone through uh, throughout the history of Israel and even up to our own day today. Thank you everyone for your contribution. Today, listeners, we are going to share, as Rowan has said, we're going to continue our study of the subject of disunity. We want to uh, spend some time this week on an extension of last week. The extension would be along these lines. Last week we studied about how sin and disharmony came into this world and we touched on the flood and we touched on the fact that sin became global. This week we're actually focusing more on disunity as it related to God's chosen people, uh, the children of Israel, and also to the Christian church in uh, just after Jesus had gone back to heaven. So we're going to be looking at areas that are different from what we looked at last week. We're going to bring it closer to home. Many of our listeners who are listening are Christians. Many of those who are listening are people who want to know more about Jesus and they want to know 
this unity that Christ so desperately prayed for, for his disciples and for us. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time. There is a text here um, entitled, it starts the fear of the Lord. Jeanette, would you like to read that text for us just for a minute to start our Bible study off? From Proverbs 9.10 out of the New King James Version, and it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Thank you very much, Jeanette. The fear of the Lord. What what do we mean by the term fear? I think we mean respect. Is it an abject uh, terror or is it something more than that? It seems to me to mean respect, an active type of a word. Mm-hmm. When you fear the Lord, you you listen to what he says, you follow him, you work in agreement with him. You're on his side. Right. Okay. Now, I think it's also realising that God is... Thank you, Andrew. As a human beings, we, I don't know from where we got that sort of understanding that because God created us with a free choice, then we can be like on the same level with God. I mean, we can do whatever we like. We'll learn during the, this study, I hope, about how people just live by their own understanding, you know. And I think that's very important because we, as Andrew pointed out, if we realize that we are his creation Mm. and he wants all the best for us then looking at us at our state in a sinful nature then to depend of god we need to awe that in respect and in in reverence and in fear that it's not that that fear is not that oh we need to respect god or to fear god because otherwise we are doomed not at all, because God is a merciful God and loving God and mm. long-suffering God mm. who like to have a relationship with us. But because we are walking away from him, he's trying to remind us, come back in understanding what mm. I want to you. Yeah, Brendan, I like the second part of that text that Jeanette read to us. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Yes. So when you realize, start to understand who God is... It's a journey for all of us mm-hmm. because who can mm-hmm. really discover who God is? It mm-hmm. takes, it'll take eternity. Mm-hmm. But when we start to discover the adventure of knowing who God is, we start to understand the meaning and the purpose of this world and, and, and mm. actually what's mm. going on. Thank you, Andrew. Ligia, I think yes, you uh, to me, I understand this text mm. as if I love someone with all my heart and all my soul and... I respect also that person because I love it. So it's in respect and obedience is already included in love. Mm-hmm. So uh, loving that person, I'm trying not to upset that person doing disobedience. So it means it's a fear not to upset that person. What you were saying, Ligia, is that uh, because you love someone, yeah. you don't want to do that which hurts them, exactly. makes them sad exactly. or upsets them. Rowan, do you have any thoughts on yes. this? Yes, um, I think there's a relationship between you know the fear of the Lord and, and the beginning of wisdom. And that is because fear itself is not always negative. You know, fear comes in when you realize that you have a limitation. So, so if I see mm-hmm. something that I know it is dangerous to me, I know I have a limitation, and when I look at God, and I know that God is 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 over and above what I can be, mm-hmm. then I have that reverence. And if that reverence, mm-hmm. because you've realized your limitation, the only way you can proceed from there is to submit 
to something that is higher than you. And that submission is necessary for you to begin to understand God. Sometimes as humans we forget that we were created in God's image and we want to create God in our image. Mm. We we want to create a God that we like. And, and that's where disunity comes and in. And I that believe happens. that is what causes disunity yeah, because yeah. we have lost this fear of the Lord, understanding that He is God. Hmm. Quite often we just want to invent the sort of a God that, that we want. And if He's not going to be like that, well, then I won't follow Him. Hmm. In Proverbs there was a text mentioned in the end of this study today saying that uh, six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven. Yes. And uh, one of the, the first one was haughty eyes and a haughty spirit. And I think that was that was Satan's original problem that caused the disunity. And I think a haughty spirit being so interested in our own ideas that we can't be open to God, the true God, and listen to his voice, I think mm. that often causes disunity. Mm. Thank you, Jeanette. There was uh, a particular text that I wanted to uh, share with our uh, listeners. Most of you know the book of Exodus, and you know that in the book of Exodus is contained the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. The very first verse of Exodus 20 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, Mm. out of the house of bondage. And then the very next statement is, you shall have no other gods before me. If I home in on what uh, Rowan was saying, the people of Israel would have recognised at this point their limitations. They would have recognised that it was totally impossible for them to be freed from slavery other than by the mighty power of God. So therefore the fear of the Lord and the beginning of the wisdom is understanding that God is all-powerful and recognising his authority in all matters universally. Let's uh, move on to a few things that are contained in this Bible study. Israel wandered through the wilderness. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 16. In our Bible study today we're touching on as I said earlier, several key areas. This was an area that I only recently came up with, but I thought that it was particularly relevant to our study for today. So Numbers chapter 16. I would like someone to read verses 1 to 3. Andrew, could you read verses maybe 1 to 4? Sure. It says this, Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab and On, son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders, who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? When Moses heard this, he fell face down. Yes, keep reading. Keep reading? Yes, please. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, In the morning, the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers, and tomorrow put fire and incense in them before the Lord. 
The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. Mm-hmm. This is very instructive. Here we have the first major rebellion against Moses' leadership described. If you go back to chapter 14 of Numbers, you'll find that um, the 12 spies were sent out to spy out the land. And, of course, only two of them came back with a good report. Here we find Korah, who incidentally was a cousin of Moses, but jealous of the fact that the priesthood had been given to Aaron's family. Nathan and Abiram, or Dathan and Abiram, were were from the uh, tribe of Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn. They resented Moses' leadership because he was not of the Reubenite tribe. So you had two issues here. You had one issue where one person wanted the priesthood for his own family and did not see why uh, the priesthood had been given to Aaron. Remember that it was by God. God gave it to Aaron's family. And the second one was these other guys who simply didn't like Moses as leader. Now, who had appointed Moses? God. God. Who had appointed Aaron and his family to the priesthood. God. So here you have disunity immediately. Here we are in the wilderness, and it's even more instructive when you go down to verses 12 and 14. Rowan, can you read those? Because Moses summons Dathan and Abiram to come and meet with him, and notice their insolent reply. So verse 12 uh, to 14 from the KJV says, And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. Verse 18, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey, to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Verse 14, Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or even given us inheritance of fields and, and vineyards, Will thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. That's quite an explosive section of scripture that Rowan has read to us. What what do we as a panel make of those thoughts? Putting it in the context of verse 3, where they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and then said to him, You have gone too far. And interesting, when Moses talks back to them further down, he says to them, You have gone too far. Mm. Back to them. Uh, but the interesting thing to me is that there's a group and quite often dissenters or people who are against the leadership run around and get a group first and then they all come in, in force. And also like to mention at this time that when we talk about leadership, none of those people in the Bible claim for themselves, I'm in charge, I'm the leader, you should listen to me. That's a good point. Actually, Nick, yes. all of them all of them, in, in this case, Moses himself said, when God decided to wipe out this uh, rebellious people, says, no, Lord, please wipe me out mm. if it's mm. needed yes. and keep these people. And this is very important to understand because we are talking in the context of oneness in yes. Christ. Mm-hmm. If people will focus their life in following Jesus, there will be no disunity. Mm. Yeah, that's that's where I was getting to. They'd taken their eyes off God as their leader, who had appointed Moses and Aaron to do their job, and they had focused their attention on themselves and their rights, or what they thought 
were, were there, right? You know, Brendan, it's something that Jeanette said in our last uh, study for last week yes. when her mother said, you know, it's me first, me second, me third, and, and if, if there's the anything left over, over it's, it's still me. me. <laughs> and that's exactly what yes. these people were yeah, doing. As Jeanette doing. said, their, their focus mm. was off God, on mm. themselves, and when that happens, there's trouble. Always no, trouble. Notice what Rowan has read, though, mm. that is so instructive. They are blaming Moses. They say, we left a land of milk and honey. You have brought us out here. You have not brought us to a land of milk and honey. They're using the exact words that Christ used to Moses when he said, you will lead these people to a land of milk and honey. Mm -hmm. Can you see what's actually happening here? Mm -hmm. They are saying, we are not in a land of milk and honey. You have not led us to a land of milk and honey. Mm -hmm. But the focus is totally on the leadership. The focus is Mm -hmm. not on the one who is leading Mm -hmm. the leadership. Mm-hmm. The focus is not on the Lord God who led them out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, and they're willingly forgetting that the story of how God yes. chose Moses mm. and, and God chose Aaron because they're more interested in themselves, their own power and their own rights. And if you think about Where it, does that go this, back is, to, this is a mini picture. I was going to say this is a mini picture of Satan in heaven. Exactly the same thing. I'm saying, who do you think you are wanting to lord it over us and then gathering a group? He ran around and got the, you know, a third Third of the the angels. angels. Mm. Yeah, I think to me the the interesting thing is that, you know, disunity and rebellion, you know, feeds on itself. Yes. Yes. One stage feeds and leads into the next one. Yes. So uh, these guys are complaining about being brought into the wilderness. But what brought them into the wilderness is because God said you're going to wander around in wilderness as punishment for you know, your rebellion. 40 so years. For 40 years. Mm. So you're not going anywhere. And and they're looking at themselves. They're just going around. They're saying, no, Moses is not is doing something wrong. He needs to get, a, get us out of this place. But God said you're going to be there yes. until all that gen- rebellious generation is gone. Yeah. Mm. So that first rebellion led to the next rebellion. Yes. And it continues to do that. Yes. And, and unless the, the, there comes a point where that cycle is broken, rebellion and disunity just continues, continues on. To, to, yeah, to, to breathe yeah, on itself. Yes. Yes. It feeds on itself, yeah. doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Lydia, did you have a comment? Yeah, I was thinking this? about this story that you brought up. That uh, uh, I mean, now the time is limited, but we have to continue because Moses asked... I think asked, this is a very important yeah, story. Yeah, Moses asked uh, the whole, the whole uh, assembly to bring senses to, to the Lord, mm-hmm. in front of the Lord to see Correct. exactly who is God choosing. And uh, they didn't want to take part in this uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And God said to Moses, just separate you from all these people and as he separated from the people as we see in the bible in chapter so numbers chapter 16 verse 31 says as soon as he finished saying all these things the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their household and all Korah's men and all their possessions they went down alive into the grave with everything they owned the earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. So I would like to say that disobedience to God and care, carelessness would lead to apostasy and disunity. Um, so obedience to God's law was intended as a means to preserve the people from the natural consequences of sin mm. and to sanctify them to be holy to the Lord. Mm. 
Thank you, everyone, for your comments. If we could summarise very briefly what we've said so far. Obedience to God's requirements, and of course we all know that God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel or at Sinai. Often people think of the Ten Commandments as restrictive. God never does anything arbitrarily. He gave the Ten Commandments not only to the children of Israel, but to all people on all parts of our planet today for a reason that they would live happy, prosperous and contented lives. The reason for his warnings, the reason for his restrictions, as some people see them, is to improve the quality of a person's life, not make it worse. And this is something I think that's very important, because if you read the rest of chapter 16, and due to time we can't continue on, you find that the next day after what Lygia has read about the ground opening and Korah, Dathan and Abiram and their families disappearing, the people come back to Moses grumbling, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. So the spirit of rebellion, as you said, Rowan, is, is continuing on, and it isn't till we find in chapter 17 that God says, OK, the representatives, Andrew, of the 12 tribes, you are to bring your rods mm. to mm. the tabernacle. I will determine who yeah. I have chosen and who is not. Do you know what, Brent and I were just thinking, <clears throat> all of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, all of us have a little bit of the spirit of, of yes, core inside yes, of us. Yes, sometimes we do. And if we take our mm. eyes off God, that spirit can start to, to fester and grow. Mm. So we've mm. got to really make sure... Back to the first text that Jeanette read, yes. the understanding of God, that's what we need to keep mm. doing, focusing on God and on his ways to keep that humble yes. spirit of learning. Yeah, because, thank you. Because yeah. unless you do that, everything gets out of proportion. Yeah. Yes. And the more you speak out your rebellion and your actual lies, which <coughs> you really knew at the beginning weren't true, but you thought you'd sort of start down that track, then the more rebellious you become until you in, in the end you're saying no we won't come and you know it it, it rebellion begets rebellion yes, yes. I, I mean if i can use a term which probably it's a little bit different and you know when we talk about quarantine you know we are sinners and we are sinners because we disobey god and god is trying to bring us back to him and he's trying to say, you know what, cling on me mm -hmm. and we'll get there. Yes. It's almost like if you are sick, then we stay home. We, we don't go into the open uh, community because so many people will be infected or even ourselves if we are having a weak immune system or something like that. And that's what we are. We have a weak immune system. Mm -hmm. We are sinners. Mm -hmm. And if we are not cling to God then Satan will do whatever he likes with us. Mm. Thank you, Nick. Mm. I would like us to turn to Judges chapter 2 and verse 10 uh, for another very important text in our study of the Word of God this morning. I believe this text summarizes the experience of the Old Testament, but it can also summarize our experience in 2018. If we... And Andrew, I can't remember who it was, but you may remember there is a statement that we all know, and listeners, you would know this statement too. Mm. If you do not learn from the lessons of history, you are destined to repeat its mistakes. Mm. I'm true. not sure who made the statement, mm. but uh, it is certainly a, a statement that is true. Judges 2 and verse 10. Legia, could you read that one for us? Then? Yes. 
After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor nor what he had done for Israel. It's brief, and yet it's very comprehensive because Mm -hmm. it is not actually stating that these people who were growing up, the next generation, did not know the Lord. Mm. It's a sad text, Brendan, really, isn't it? Because the whole book of Deuteronomy, we Mm. don't have time in our study today, but if we were to go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 16, and various other chapters, you would find that God said to them, you are to tell your children, you are to teach your children, what the great things that I did for your fathers, your grandfathers, your great-grandfathers, you were to teach them, you were to instruct them. I wonder, uh, panel, in 2018, whether part of the spiritual malaise that we have, not only in society, but in our churches, is because we are not instructing our children in the wonderful things that God has done in the past and the wonderful things God wants to do today and Mm. in the future. It's interesting, Brendan, you look at verse 11, the very next verse, it Mm, says... Read it, Andrew. uh, It says, Who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So It's almost cause and consequence. That's right. It just came in like a tidal wave. When you forget the ways of the Lord, when you don't follow his ways, bang, here come the consequences. Mm. Mm. It's really nothing new. Mm. It's just a commentary on the the way the human race goes. Mm. Um, it's like what's that second law of thermodynamics? Everything's left to themselves break down. Yes, that yeah, and, that's right. <laughs> and if, if people don't stay connected to God, the source of life mm. and truth, um, they they will go down. And so, if one generation is a bit, you know, not really connected to God, the next one hasn't got any hope because the river can rise no higher than its source. Yes, thank you, Jeanette. I would like to share with our listeners a a little statement that, um, as a panel, some of us know this statement. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. Listeners, I would like us to reflect on that. Lydia. My lessons which I should take from this, from the last idea that was discussed here, is that as I have children, I have to teach them and talk to them every day, as in the Bible, as in the Old Testament says, talk about God's love and God's rules and commandments all the time. When you come and when you go, when you leave, in the morning and in the evening, any time, all the time, it says, talk about this. Yes. So these generations didn't know about God because people didn't talk to them. Who was at fault for this? The parents the and parents grandparents. The teaching their and children yes, exactly. these things. And also, yes. also there's more to it than talk. There's being. Exactly. Yes. Living. Exactly. living. The living the truth. Yeah. Mm. Modeling. Yeah. I think the, the cause of the children not being told by the parents, I think, comes from, we get a hint from what they were living according to what was right in their own in eyes. In their own eyes, So yes. whatever was good for them, that's, that's what they did. And you see that for you to, mm-hmm. to have to, to teach your children and to, to tell them about God, 
there's a certain level of discipline that is required to follow the Lord, which is not possible when you're doing whatever you want, because whatever yeah. you want takes away all the discipline. You, you mm. just follow your impulses, and that's it. Mm. Um, I, I once heard this um, being spoken by somebody and said that when it comes to what, what constitutes our moral values, we have only three ways to decide how to do that. The first way is, like we're saying now, you know, everybody does what is good in their own, own eyes, which is where we get the word autonomous. Okay, yes. everybody mm-hmm. becomes autonomous. What is right to them is what is right. That's what and they Rowan do. And Rowan, does that uh, reflect our current society? It, do it does. It does mm. to a great deal. I mean, there are people today who feel that we shouldn't have any restrictions on anything. I mean, we shouldn't have any laws. We should be able to live autonomously. The other way is to do what what others call heteronomous. That is to mean that you know a certain group of people decides what ev- what everyone else has to do. But we are talking here about the children of Israel, who is supposed to be none of those two, because those two they breed disunity. Because if I am to set what is what is right according to my own thinking, and you are to set what is right according to your own thinking, then we are going to be to have a lot of disunity because we, we cannot agree on anything mm-hmm. because it's being pushed yes. by our own impulses. Mm-hmm. The same if we have a certain group of people, or if 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 we do it in a different way, where uh, certain people have to dictate what is morally good to others. Uh, in, in terms of being, you know, in, in not in rebellion to God, um, I mean, to uh, create a, a society the way we want to live it, then we're still going to have a problem because we're going to have different groups of people defining different groups of, uh, I mean, different levels of morality. But if we say that we are living theonomously, that is to say, according to what God said, which is the theme here, that mm-hmm. the solution to this whole disunity and rebellion is living according to what God said. Yes. And that will will bring us in the unity which is in God, not in our own, you know, impulses. And I would just like to add to that, Ron. We yeah, we kind of skipped uh, uh, an important passage which I was interested in in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, our listeners can look at it uh, in their own time and just uh, uh, contemplate on this because uh, from verses one to fourteen, God is talking about. His blessings upon His people. I would just want to point out two things. In verse 1, it starts with like, always obey God. You know, that's referring to that. In verse 14, it says, must not reject any of His laws. Mm. Because we are now, we don't like to hear that word, law. Because we're thinking that's restrictive, that that's not good. We, are, we need to live freely, but actually laws are very good for us. Even, you know, because that will yes. protect us, that will guide. save us, guide us, yeah, and save us from many uh, mistakes. Nick, I was just thinking, it, it seems to be only in the spiritual realm or where God's concerned that we have such a problem with having to conform. Because you you try um, going to a football match where every player does what he thinks is the truth about how you play football and you are going to have mayhem. <laughs> and it won't be fun for anybody because it's only fun when everybody's obeying the rules. Correct. Um, you have to have a team plan, don't yeah. you, Jeanette? There's no point going out there planning to win a game unless you have a plan well, as to it, how you're going to go about it. But it's a given before you even start mm. that mm. this is how you play this game. Yes. 
everybody acknowledges one set of rules mm. and yes. then the yes, game the can be fun. But when it comes to God, we don't want to do life that way. Mm. But when it comes also to our legal system in the country, we go to court, we expect to get justice, and there's great hue and a cry if what people thought ought to be that justice didn't happen. And and the law is there the whole time, unchanged to be referred to constantly by everybody as as the that central point of consensus. Mm. And yet when it comes to God, people don't want mm. that. Thank you, Jeanette, for your comment there. For those of our listeners who may have had the opportunity, perhaps of um, working on a uh, jury panel, which was my experience last year, it's very interesting to see you have a judge, you have a defence attorney, you have a prosecuting attorney, and you have the jury. And the letter of the law is followed very, very closely. Mm-hmm. And we were actually directed in the case that I was on, without sharing any of the details because they are confidential, the case that I was uh, serving on, we were actually given five pages of directions by the judge as to how we should view this in reaching our decision. He wasn't leading us, but he was saying, on the basis of the evidence that you have been given, it would be reasonable to find a certain outcome or a certain result. Now, what we have studied so far in our Bible study this morning is if we follow God's leading, if we follow God's word, and the fear of the Lord is indeed the beginning of wisdom, we, we recognise that we are walking in safe paths, aren't we, Nick? Mm-hmm. We're working, walking in the direction. One of the texts here that I found particularly disturbing in our study this morning was Judges 21, verse 25. Let's just have a look at it. It has been alluded to in our discussion so far, but this closes the book of Judges. Judges contains the story of 12 men and one woman, I believe, who God raised up to rescue his people because continually they fell into apostasy and idol worship. God would use a heathen nation around them to persecute them and God would raise up a deliverer because the term judge, another term for judge is saviour or deliverer. So these people were really, in a sense, patterns of who Christ would be when he eventually came because he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach and to um, free the captives, etc., etc. But what does Judges 21 verse 25 say, which is, I think, a sad um, text. Jeanette, could you read that one for us, thanks? It closes the book of Judges. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. And I think uh, the versions say everyone did what was right in the, yes, their own eyes. Yes, it does, Andrew. Yes, 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 it does. Yeah. You know, folk, in 2018 there is a term that most of us know called postmodernism. Mm. Can I suggest postmodernism is not modern? <laughs> I think postmodernism has been around for a long, long time. And well, it's reflected. Nick? Who will remember um, what was the <clears throat> motto or the saying during the French Re- Revolution? or after the French Revolution. Would you remember that? I don't know, I wasn't alive then, Nick. Liberty, Egality, Fraternity. Yes, yes. one. One, but... Liberty, Equality, Fraternity. Yes, mm. under the liberty, because that's where they were concentrated. He said, 
everyone should be free to do whatever they like to do. And that's so much oh, in, that's anarchy. in, in yeah. line with this. And that was anarchy after that. Yeah. And needs to be some, some changes there. But what I noticed after that text in the judges, one thing, human beings are predisposed for yes. self-centeredness. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, we are called to be Christ-centered, mm -hmm. to have God in the in the center and yes. everything to to go around it and Nico, i think you just defined the word sin very nicely he did in what you said he did that's what sin self -centeredness. is we are predisposed to self-centeredness yeah. mm. thank, thank you we're, we're moving on in our study folk um we're looking further chronologically we have moved on beyond the time when the kings were first appointed in Israel, as we all know, the very first king of Israel was a man named Saul, who came from one of the smaller tribes, Benjamin. He was followed by David, who was followed by his son Solomon. But in our next study, we find that Solomon has passed away, or the next part of our study, we find Solomon has passed away, and his son Rehoboam has come to the throne. So we're looking at First Kings chapter 12. And due to time constraints, we won't have time to read the first 16 verses. But um, maybe, uh, Rowan, could you read the first four or five verses of First Kings 12 for us, please? Okay. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me, and and the people debated. Before we continue on with that, uh, let's reflect for a moment on what uh, Rowan has read to us. To summarise very simply, the children of Israel have come to anoint Rehoboam, Solomon's son, as the, the new king. However, they have a complaint. What is the complaint, Jeanette, in very simple words? They said that your father was too hard on us with taxes and we would like you to lighten our burden. I wonder if Scott Morrison is listening to this today. <laughs> <laughs> they were worried about um, the fact that, and Solomon, due to all his building projects, which were many, Solomon taxed the people mercilessly. Yep. And uh, he needed the money in order to carry out all these building uh, mm. projects. We would call them today in 2018 infrastructure projects. Mm. They were required to uh, in improve their infrastructure. Mm. Um, it's interesting, Brendan, because Thanks, uh, in verse yeah. 5, Rehoboam is doing okay. He says, look, you go away for three days. Let me ponder this, and I'll actually talk to some people about it. And he talks to the elders who'd served with his dad. We'll get and he there. says, what do you think? So, so far, he's, he's, he's doing the right thing mm -hmm. as, the, as the new king. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think he's saying, go away, folk. Let me have time, as Andrew has said, mm. to ponder these things. I need to seek counsel. Now, there's one thing to remember before we go on with our study on this particular portion. 
Rehoboam, at the time that he became king, was not 15 or 16. He was 41 years of age. Mm. He was not a young man and he wasn't an old man. And yet we find from here on <laughs> mm. that he consults two groups of people. Andrew, can you read the next few verses for us? Yeah, and just and before I read, that's yes, interesting. Certainly. There's one person he didn't consult. Yes. And that's There's God. There's one person he didn't he, consult. You know, like his, yes. da- like his dad did. He did not consult yes. God. So I'm reading from verses verse 7. Mm. They replied, these are the elders who served his father during his lifetime. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favourable answer, they will always be your servants. That's a really wise answer. That is answer. a really good A text, careful, wise answer. It? Keep going. Mm. But, I hate it when it's got but in the Bible, <laughs> but Rehoboam rejected the <clears throat> advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. And he asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? Keep going. Yes. The young men, verse 10, who had grown up with him, replied, Tell these people who have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. You tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father (laughs) laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, but I will scourge you with scorpions. Okay. How, Nick, how, how could a leader of a nation even contemplate of that advice? Mm. You know, because even from the beginning, even when, you, when you'll get that, you'll see that something is wrong. Unless you are focusing on yourself mm-hmm. and you want to be a ruler. And I, mm-hmm. let me just very briefly share something. I grew up in a communist country with one of the worst Dictators. Ceausescu. Ceausescu. You may uh, <laughs> heard about him. This man, actually, I just watched a documentary the other day about him. was a great man, actually. He was the only one who opposed the invasion of Czechoslovakia in 68. Mm-hmm. In, the, in East Europe, very yeah. bold, standing for freedom, standing for people. But the culture of the personality, you know, which he was... Yes. was you know, just Thank focusing you, on, dragged him away from those principles, and he became a dictator. And he started to love himself, and he thought that people are uh, doing whatever they will. Uh, mm. He will say, and in the end, I witnessed that with my own eyes when he was caught in Bucharest, um, mm. as a, as a dog. You know, even though he had uh, provisions, and you know, in Romania he built a place which is the second biggest you're talking about the building the palace in Mm. the world Mm. and he had supplies for 20 years to live Mm. underground Mm. and he was caught as i said in the middle of uh you know like a rat in a trap Mm. because was he focused on himself yes and Mm. probably that was the experience of this Mm. uh, legia as we've seen king rehoboam in his at his age of 41 as you said in his unwise decision why do you think why do you think he made this decision he tried to exercise power yes with all his counselors that he didn't took the advice of elderly people Mm. but he took the advice of the young people Mm. so he revealed pride and position of authority in his kingdom 
And I think because he wasn't confident enough, he tried to exercise power. Mm. I'm going to put more uh, heavy work on you than my mm. father. Mm. It, it also yeah. may have been peer pressure. He, his, his peers that he'd grown up with suggested this to him and he was af afraid to stand up to them and I'm, I'm, I'm apologise to the males present at the moment but, but men tend to bow to peer pressure from their, from their contemporaries more than women do, I think. Mm. Um, do you know what I think too? These, these young fellas, they, they stroked his ego mm. and they appealed to his self-centeredness and they said, come on, man, you know, you're the leader. You, you go for it. And that really, he liked mm, that idea. Mm, and it, it's back to the old Lucifer thing. I will be like God. I'm going to be I this great be and mighty king. And away he goes. Mm, mm, I don't care what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rowan, were you, did yeah, you have a comment? I, I just want to add something. It's, it's not specifically directly um, referred to in this text, but I think it is possible to infer that Rehoboam felt like he, had, he was entitled to being... Um, a king, and and I say that because so he you're knew talking about he, he felt he had an attitude of entitlement. Yes, he had an attitude mm. of entitlement that he was entitled. He he had the knowledge that David had been promised, you know, a throne forever, mm. and he was the descendant of David. Yes. In fact, when he, he goes out to try to fight against Jeroboam afterwards, he's actually showing that he's, he's making the claim that no, the kingdom should become come back to me because yes. I am, mm. you know, in the place mm. of of David, and that that entitlement is not just is not something that just happened then. Even yes. today, uh, I grew up in a church where the the leader was, which is which is a different church, but the leader felt that. He was, he was everything, and he was there in that position forever because God had given him that. Yes. And his children felt the mm. same thing. And whoever he appointed was never going to be removed because he was pretty much like, you yes. know, appointed yes. by God yes. himself. Mm. And whatever he said, that was the law. Mm. You know, that entitlement causes a lot of disunity because other people who then begin to see that and see that this leader, what he's doing and what is written in the word of God, they, they're not telling, they're not going hand in hand, they're going to end up rebelling and that church mm -hmm. I'm talking about broke into pieces and pieces one after the other because each leader who came in thought he was entitled to being yeah, there forever. Sure. Nick, did you have a brief comment? I just very quickly, I want to say something about these two words power and leadership and this was uh, uh, Rehoboam uh, facing this di dilemma Leadership is where you are called to serve people. Power, it's another position where you are willing to dictate, not to, not to listen to people. And I think it's very important because we mentioned here about the leaders like Moses, like judges, like others. All these people are willing with all their heart to serve God's people. And if we are now to take a lesson from, uh, from this passage is that if God will call each one of us and we are all, if you like, uh, called into the leadership positions. What's that leadership position of sharing the love of God mm. with many people? Mm. If we do that with uh, humbleness mm. in a service attitude, mm. then that's what God wants from us. Yeah. In summary, because our time is short and we must move on, two things I believe could also be said in regard to this. Today, in 2018, image is all important to leaders. The image that is presented to the public is that which is so vitally important to their electoral chances and to whatever. 
And I believe that Rehoboam took the advice of the young men because they said, you've got to show yourself to be a strong leader. Mm -hmm. Your father taxed them, but you've got to stamp your authority on the kingdom from the word go. So hit them with everything you've got. And um, isn't that it so in contrast with Matthew 20, verse 28, where Jesus said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but came to serve and to give his life a, a ransom for many. Mm. Can I suggest to our, our, not only our panel, but also to our listeners, can I suggest that the true attitude of Christianity, the true virtue of a Christian is the attitude of service. If we are following in the master's footsteps, we should be willing to serve. And that may mean taking the lowest position in the church, not the highest position in the church. I would like to mention here for the <coughs> listeners to read these chapters to know, to find out exactly who Re Rehoboam was. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, Solomon. and his grandfather was David. So I think he felt very strong on his throne of ruling. Yes. And he didn't, but the problem is that he didn't seek God, uh, yes. God's advice. Yeah. This yeah. was his fault. And his kingdom, of course, failed anyway. Yes. Yes. That's where it all came down to. Yes. That, uh, when they're doing what's right in their eyes, they're leaning on their own resources and their own intellect and their own experience and history. Everything goes pear-shaped. It's God has to be the centre. Thank you, Jeanette. Let, let's move on to our last uh, subject that we're going to focus on in our Bible study listeners for today. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, we're now turning to 1 Corinthians, we've moved from the Old Testament, we've moved from the disunity between Israel when they were in the wilderness, the disunity that came about as a result of the ten tribes breaking away, uh, in the time of Rehoboam, we've now moved to the New Testament. We're in the time of uh, what we know as the Apostles, the time of Paul. And Paul writes from Ephesus to people who he brought to the Lord, who he helped to know the Lord. And he is distressed because Chloe's household have brought him word that the church in Corinth is split. It's split into factions. The Greek word used there is schisma, mm. and from that we get the word schism, schism in English. Now, there are some thoughts, maybe just quickly in the time that we've got left, we can share just briefly some of the, the issues. What, what are the issues that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 10 to 17? Can I just say that real yes, quick before certainly. we go there, Brendan? It, mm. It's pretty sad because here's the early church. Yes. They had, Jesus had died, they'd learned about him, he'd been raised from the dead, they had the gift and the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. everything was going for them. Yes. And probably, they did. in many ways they had just as many blessings, if not more blessings than, than the Israelites of the Old Testament, and yet schism comes, which is pretty sad. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, just, just quickly, because we are short of time, just, just some key points here. There are four different groups mentioned that are being followed here. Rowan, what are they? Paul says... I am of... Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they're talking about yes. uh, being of Apollo us, and being of, mm. uh, of Paul and being of Cephas and so forth. And, and I think the, 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 the issue there is that they were beginning to be split according to, you know, who one would want to identify as the, you know, the leader, you know, of the church. And some would feel that maybe Paul is more 
um, they, they could identify who is the coolest who, leader. Who is, yeah, who is yeah. the coolest, who, who preaches yeah. better than the other one, yeah. who can deliver, you know, a better Some sermon. Apollos preached better than Paul. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, and even today okay. we still see that. Some yes. people still, you know, decide to listen to, you know, and, and be associated with certain preachers more yes. than others because they believe those are, are, are the ones. But I think the, the, the struggle is that w- uh, in, in addition to being self-centeredness, we also have a, a certain natural attitude of competition in us, in, in people. We, we want to be associated with that which is good and that which is better than everyone else. Mm. And Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, when he, he says, uh, 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 you know, striving for supremacy, yes. you know, provoking each other to envy because you want to stand out as being the one better than the other. And that yes. happens yeah. not yeah. Even in churches today, yeah. there are some who would want to be seen to be, you know, the better one within the yeah. church, and people begin to be broken down into different functions. Mm. Thank you, uh, Rowan. Uh, Lydia, you... Okay, we observe that Paul Paul saw divisions among them, and uh, he advised them that we are called to follow Christ, not a human being. Can you read verse 13 for us? Because I believe the crux of our discussion on the problems in Corinth is found in a statement that he makes in chapter 1 and verse 13. Yes, in verse 13 it says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? So Paul advises people in his time that Christian unity is centered on Christ and his sacrifice on the cross only. So um, uh, we found that Christian unity finds its course in the truth as it is found in Jesus Christ and him crucified and in no one else, no matter, no matter how worthy a mentor or a preacher yes. or a leader that person might be. So at the foot of the cross... We are all on the same level ground. Mm. Our baptism is into Jesus, one who alone can Mm. cleanse us from sin. So we are called as a church, as a people of God, to be united, as is said Mm. in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, 10, it says, to be perfectly united in mind and thought. Mm. Being perfectly united, we can follow Jesus, yes. not div- divided. Yeah. Division comes from, not from God. God mm. is unity, love. So unity in love. Um, just quickly, maybe we can sort of uh, wrap this up because of time, but it's, it's interesting that um, here we find these people split into different groups. Mm. Paul is refocusing their connection on the fact that they are all there because of one reason. He says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Isn't it interesting that he he addresses first the group who claim to be followers of Paul? Mm. He says, don't follow me, follow the Lord. (laughs) Brenton, there's there's a little bit of a clue in in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thanks, Jeanette. It says, one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas, and I follow Christ. Mm. That sounds a little bit like, I will be like the Most High. Mm. The emphasis, as as, uh, my sister used to say, the emphasis is on the wrong Wrong syllable. syllable. Mm. 
says. Um, they're, they're not focusing on God, they're focusing on their opinions. Now I just want to refer to another thought of what Paul said when he was visiting another town, Berea, and uh, he mentioned something very interesting there. He said that he finds the people in that uh, community with an open heart, with more, because when they heard about Paul and preaching, they, they go to the Bible mm. and study the Bible. We, the Bible presents our Lord Jesus Christ mm. for us. And what we need to do, we need not to, to create divisions in following parties and groups and people, but we are called to follow Jesus Christ. Mm. And if there are people who have a call from God to share the good news and the truth, they can, can be at fault also because they are humans. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very careful in following people. Mm. Yeah. And I like what Paul says. He says, remember another letter to another church, I'm determined to know no one amongst you except, except Jesus, Jesus and him crucified. crucified. So that was mm -hmm. his focus. Mm -hmm. yep. Listeners, in conclusion, can we say this from our Bible study time to today? Can I and the rest of our panel here urge you to focus on nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm. Any other way, any other method, is sure to fail because it is based on human thinking and human reasoning. Mm. God bless you all, and we look forward to discussing with you again next week. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, the unity that Christ prayed for in John 17, where he said, Father, that they may be one as we are one. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17, verse 3. Lord, that is my prayer for our panel, for our listeners, that we may be one. One in unity, not one in uniformity, but one in unity. One in unity in love for one another. Christ said, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That is our prayer, that is our desire. Lord, please lead us in the paths that will lead us to that full unity that Jesus prayed for. Is my earnest prayer in your wonderful and loving name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brenton, and thank you, the rest of the panel, for uh, this discussion. And I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for uh, tuning in with us. And I would like to encourage you to keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Until next time, may God bless you.